Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, happy Father's Day uh, uh, to those of you who are dads, and we have to do this. If you're a dad, would you stand up? If you're a father, yes, yes, nice. <laughs> Woo! Thank you. You may you may be seated. Uh, I wish lots of steak, and uh, I don't know. Uh, someone told me in the restroom that they're going to watch action movies all day without their family. And <laughs> that's the best expression of, uh, of Father's Day that I've heard. So um, in any case, uh, yeah, so I, I wonder if, if just speaking to uh, the guys here for a moment, I, I, there's a sentiment that I think sometimes happens, which is that's just the way that I am. That, that's, that's who I am, that's what I'm gonna be like, that's what I do, um, that's, that's just kinda how things go for me. Um, that's what happens to me, that's what I do, uh, that's what I experience, that's how I react, that's, that's just who I am. And it's, there's like this, this resignation to just kinda like I am who I am and that's who I'm gonna be. And that, of course not all of us are that way, but there's, I think there's a sentiment and a lot of guys in that way until, until the Lord really gets a hold of us uh, on some level. But even at that, you know, if you've been in, in the church for a long time, there can just be this general sense of that's, that's just who I am. That's the way that my spiritual life is. It's how I connect with God or that's how I don't connect with God or uh, something along those lines. And I, I just was thinking about that just this morning and the idea of the great resignation came into my head. And uh, the great resignation has been talked about in the news recently. Just, and what that is, is just people who have uh, just resigned from their jobs. Like they're, uh, for whatever reason, they're no longer incentivized to work either because there's unemployment that's available and they're making more on unemployment than they, they were at their job or, or something, which seems like a fairly good motivator to not work. Like if you're gonna pay me and I can do whatever I want, there's just this resignation, like people resigning from their jobs, they leave, um, or it, it might be because you know, they were you know, enforcing you know, vaccines or not enforcing vaccines or masks or whatever it is. There's just discomfort in the workplace. There's this great resignation. And then there's the, a kind of a resignation from the church. I've talked about this a, a couple of times where, uh, where just many people just in and through COVID just said, I'm out, I'm, re I'm resigning. I'm, I'm, uh, I, if I can feel the same way that I normally do just by watching a video on, online and I can just do my thing. And it's just kind of like, uh, it's it's kind of resigning from uh, the the local church, and then some people are like resigning from their state, where they're they're leaving liberal states and they're going moving to conservative states, or they're leaving uh, conservative states and going to liberal states, or it might be like changing schools, like I uh, like leaving a liberal school, going to conservative school, or again vice versa. You know that whole thing. There's this great resignation. It's not just in uh, in in uh, work, um, but it's also in every part of life. But then there's this uh, like a resignation 
to moral absolutes. There's no more moral absolutes. Like that's been a thing for some time. And we've kind of come through the, the, the full scope of that where it's like we've gone from like uh, there being some type of moral uh, moorings and Judeo-Christian values, and now today it's like that's, uh, you know, rejected wholesale, you know, like every bit of that, like there's, we're resigning from that, and uh, we're resigning from sexual absolutes, you know, with uh, <laughs> everything, and more and more, uh, there, there are no sexual absolutes, it's like do whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, with whoever you want, be whatever you, you want, whatever it is, there's not a moral absolute, it's a resignation of a sexual absolute, and then there's there's a, a resignation from spiritual absolutes. Like it doesn't have to just be through Jesus. It, it can just be like this general ethereal sense of spirituality. And, and so then now as we're, we're doing uh, surveys and things like that, we have a new category of none and they're called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, not N-U. And uh, those are less common these days. But the nuns are like people who are just like, just resigning from, all type of spirituality, all type of, uh, of things in that nature. It's just, it's like complete resignation. But then what I'm talking about here is just like personally, on a personal level, there's a personal resignation to uh, that's just the way that I am. There's a personal resignation to like, that's all the growth that I'm gonna do. There's a personal resignation you might say to like, you know, like there's, there's really no hope for me. I don't have any hope. I, I, I can't really change myself. I've tried and tried and tried. And so you might be in a place where you've just resigned yourself to the idea that like I, that, that I have the possibility of change. And maybe you're even moving into kind of this, this, uh, this resignation of moral absolutes and, and spiritual absolutes and sexual absolutes and, and stuff like this. So there's this, this resignation that's been happening. And basically, it, you, you can come down to a point where you just say, I have uh, an illness, I have a disease, I have a disability. And you can justify any kind of behavior, action or attitude just by simply just resigning yourself to like, this is just the way that it's going to be. And so I'm gonna go along with whatever the prevailing wind is, whether it's in the world or whether it's in the church, and the prevailing wind is either telling me, either you have no hope, that's just the way that you're gonna be, you're just gonna continue to struggle, you're gonna continue to have issues with this, and so you should just continue to do what, whatever it is that you're gonna do, or it's a resignation because it's like, you know what, life is going good for me. Life is going fine for me. Like I, I have what I need. I've got a good 401k, I know how to work hard, and I have a good family. And there's a resignation to like even needing any kind of change. And there's, there, there's this sense of like complacency that comes with that, lethargy that, that, that takes place there that just says, I'm just stuck in this whole thing. And I, I just wanna tell you this morning, I think this passage speaks to something like amazing. There's a, a lie from the pit of hell that says you should just go along with what has been happening all along here. You should just continue to do that, continue to operate in that way. 
and make your own way. Make your own inheritance. Make your own guarantees. Make your own love. Make your own hope. The problem is, is it's not working for some people and they know it. And for other people, they think it's working, but it's not gonna last. It's not eternal. We've been talking through this passage in that this passage we have gone painstakingly slow in. You might be like, are we still in verses three through 14? And we are. And we are because of this, because as elders and staff, we took a retreat earlier this year or whenever it was, I can't remember. I think it was early, yeah, it was earlier this year. And one of the things that we came down to was this, is that like, we, we believe that our church is suffering from this reality of they don't understand the power source. They don't understand what it is that God, we don't, I, I, I don't wanna say you guys don't understand this. We are not getting this. We're not understanding this. And so we need to go back to basics. And the apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians goes back to basics. And he's explaining the Christian faith in a way that's gonna allow us to, to actually begin to see, like, and he's, he's basically saying this, I'm, I'm gonna tell you the things that you need to know, like, first things first. This is what you must know. This is what you must believe. And this belief system is what is transformative. It's what I believe about myself and about my God that actually transforms me. See, you are transformed by whatever you call your God. Whatever is your God transforms you because you worship that God. We're always worshiping. I've told you this before. We're always worshiping. It, 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 that's not just a, a church thing. That's not just a spiritual thing. We are always worshiping and you will always be transformed by the thing that you worship. And the question is, is whether you're being transformed by the world, by Satan, sin, and death, or whether you're being transformed by God himself and his glorious grace for you. Are you being transformed by that? And I, 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 just, I just wanna do a survey, like a one-line survey that just says, like, have you experienced spiritual growth at all? Have you, are you feeling a sense of like, I'm moving in the right, and I'm not saying, like, I mean, I, I'm with you in that, like, man, I can't see the broad strokes of my spiritual growth. Even as a pastor, sometimes I go, like, am I growing? And I want you to ask yourself that question, like, am I growing? Am I growing more passionate for God? Am I growing in a, in a sense that says, man, like I, I'm, I'm sensing God more, I'm, I'm feeling him, I'm, I'm operating in him, I'm, I'm working in him, I, I, I do family in him, I do sexuality in him, I do all, like am I growing in that or am I growing further away from him? Where are you at on a spectrum? And I think this passage speaks to something that I think is gonna be really helpful. Paul says this in 113. He says, in him you also. Why does he say you also? Well, he first, just a second ago, uh, he talks about we who were the first to hope in Christ. And he could either be talking about the Jews uh, who 
are, are God's family. And so they heard about him and God chose them out of all of the possible peoples of the world. And he made them a people, a people for his own possession. So he may be talking about the Jews or he may be talking about early Christians, people that initially came to Christ. And, and then now here he's gonna talk about everyone else that comes to faith after Christ uh, goes to the cross and is resurrected. We're not sure. He says, in him, you also. In, in who? It's in Christ. In him, you also. He's saying that it is in Christ alone. Acts 4.12 says, there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So it's in Jesus. He says, uh, you also. When you heard, when you heard when you heard something, so what, what is it that they're hearing? What is, this, what is this saying? He's saying, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation and believed in him, what, what's he talking about there? He's talking about this, that it is absolutely critical that you hear the gospel. Some of you uh, have, I, I can't imagine that you wouldn't be because I think it offends all of our sensibilities as, as Americans or as people, as individuals. Uh, have, some of you have taken issue with the idea of predestination, God's sovereign will in saving us. And sometimes people can say, I hate the idea of God taking control of my life, removing my free will and essentially telling me I am his. Now, I don't know why we would hate that other than the fact that we just want to be in control all the time. That might be what it is. Perhaps it is. That's, that's, that is what it is. And so, uh, but what this says, sometimes people can say, you know what, if predestination is true, the way that you understand it, Pastor Matt, then what use is there in uh, evangelism or preaching the gospel, telling someone about Jesus? Because if it's just up to God whether they're going to believe, then why should I even tell them? That's because it is up to God how they hear and receive the gospel. So Paul says, even though I'm asserting the fact that you must be chosen in Christ and you are chosen in Christ, he says that in Christ, when you hear this. You must hear this. What do you need to hear? The word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. What, what is truth? Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? What, what, well, the truth is this, is that there's all of these possibilities now, whether it's moral absolutes, sexual absolutes, uh, all, all of these other uh, absolute, spiritual absolutes, all of those things, all of those possibilities, and every one of those is being asserted to us today as this is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. No, this is the truth. No, this is the truth. That's, that's what is constantly being told to us is that someone has the truth for you and you must not violate their truth. What this is saying right here is, is it's saying there is one truth and one truth only, and that is the gospel of your salvation. It is the good news of the salvation that's offered uh, by God through Jesus Christ and put into us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the good news that we have available to us the, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. 
that we have available to us this gospel that saves us from Satan, sin, death, wrath, and allows us to have resurrection. It, it allows us to all automatically have the possibility and really the reality, if we believe, the reality of change. That's, that is the word of truth. So as you're out in your daily, uh, your, your daily life, wherever you are, in, in whatever capacity, the truth comes down to this, that there is one truth and one truth only. There are moral absolutes. There are sexual absolutes. There are spiritual absolutes. There is one truth alone, one absolute, which is the gospel. And the gospel is not social justice. It's not being a good person. It's not being an American or being a good American, being a patriot or anything like that. It's, 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 it's not even just the good news that you should worship God or that you should please God. That's actually the bad news. The good news is this, is that God has done something for us in Christ. That's what the apostle Paul has been laying out for us. It painstakingly. The good news is this, is that I in and of myself cannot rectify my life. I in and of myself have violated God's law. I on my own have gone against who he is and yet he has offered me complete forgiveness through Jesus Christ, through the redemption that he has offered me through his blood. It says, uh, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So this is saying, like, I know that predestination, being chosen, that, that's the truth about people who are, are, uh, are believers, that God chose them. But God is also saying, you must believe. This idea of believing, it means to commit unto, to, to commit one's trust to be committed unto, uh, be put in trust with, to think to be true, to be persuaded of, to credit, to place confidence in. And, it, and what are we believing in? It's not just believing that God is a God of love who's offered forgiveness, but in Jesus Christ. It's in him that we have redemption. It's through his blood that we have the forgiveness of sins. It is in him. It is believing actually in him. So, what does it say next? The word of truth and be believed in him that you were sealed. The gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? What is a seal? What, what is it talking about there? What does it mean when it says that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit? What does that have to do with, with anything? Well, a seal is authoritative. It's authoritative in this sense that like when a king in Paul's day wanted to send down some type of edict or message or anything like that, he would take some wax, he'd take a signet ring, he'd dip it in that warm wax and he would, they would be rolled up probably and then he'd put this wax seal on there, the message went to the person who's supposed to receive it, and they would know that it had not been tampered with or opened. They would know that it came from the king because it had his signet 
on there. And today, what, what we do is that we have a seal that we put on documents, especially when you're purchasing a home or a car or, or some type of business deal of some sort. You sign it, you put your seal on there. It is authoritative in that sense that it, it, it is saying, I have authorized this transaction. I have authorized this loan. I've authorized what's happening there. So what it means is this, is that it, it's authoritative. In Matthew 27, 66, it says, so they, uh, so they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. It means this, like a, a seal went on the stone at the tomb where Jesus was buried. The Pharisees did this so that uh, the, uh, the apostles wouldn't come steal his body. They wanted to make sure that it had not been tampered with. So the first thing is that the seal is authoritative. The second thing is this, is that a seal, it denotes or shows approval. It means that there is approval on whatever has received a seal. So in 2 Corinthians 1.21, it says, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us, who has also put his seal on us. Like it's God who has given us his approval. John 3:33. whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. Like whoever receives the testimony of Jesus means this, that I have sealed the reality. I have approved of who Jesus is and that he is from God, that God is true. John 6, 27, Jesus says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. The Son of Man's gonna, gi gonna give this to you because of this, because, because Jesus has the seal of God the Father. He has the seal, he has the approval of God the, uh, the Father. The meaning is that God has attested to or approved of Jesus' divine mission. Third is this, what, is, what does sealed mean? It means it's a brand. It identifies ownership. I don't know if you've ever seen Yellowstone. Don't watch that without watching it on, on uh, uh, VidAngel or something, a little rough, but they, he brands his, his, uh, his cattlemen or whatever, his cowboys. Uh, there's, a, there's a brand, it's, it's a brand. It's saying, I'm marking this as mine. I own this, it, it is mine. Fourthly is this, it's a badge. It's, it's a badge that says, I can get in here. Like when you go to a concert and, or, or you're working at a concert or some type of event or something and you have an all access pass, like you have a badge. It, 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 it means this, it means full security for those who are in Christ. Now, why am I talking about this? Why am I explaining this? Because sealed isn't a word that we use very often today. But this idea of having being sealed in the spirit, first, you gotta understand what it means to be sealed. And secondly, you gotta understand what, that, how do I operate in this? Well, what it means to be sealed is that there's authority behind it. It means that there's approval behind it. And it means that there's ownership behind it, that you are owned and that, that you own a, a piece of God it means that you have an inheritance in God and that God has an inheritance in you. And it means that there is full security for us who are in Christ. Now, those are just some general things 
about what it means to be sealed. What does this passage say? It says that we were sealed. He says, having believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You've been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, what does that have to do with anything? What it has to do with is this, is that there is a power source that's behind you. There's a power source that is in you that can keep you from coming to a point where you say, I am who I am. I do what I do. This is just the way that our world is. It can keep you from the great personal resignation of just saying, this is just the way that my spiritual life has always been. This is the way that I've always acted. This is the way that I've always responded. Look at Luke 24, verse 49. You don't need to turn there. Jesus says, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus, right before he ascends to heaven, he says, remember the promise I told you about. The promise which is, I'm going to leave with you my spirit. And that's going to be better than me being here uh, personally. It's, it's going to be, the Holy, I'm going to be in you in the Holy Spirit, but that's going to be better than me actually standing here in front of you. And he says, I want you to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So what does it mean to be sealed with the Spirit? It means all these things, authority, approval, ownership, full security. But it also means this, it means that you've been given a power source. So that you no longer have to say, I have no hope of change in my life. I, I have no hope of, of doing anything different. It can change your mind. It can change your heart. It's a power source that has the ability to drastically change who you are and what you do. Secondly, it is this. It is the love of God being expressed to us. Many Christians know these verses, Romans 5, 3 through 5. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because of this. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Now, this, this is saying this. When you believed, you were sealed in the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that seal mean? It means all of those things that I just said, the power source, authority, badge, you know, brand, uh, approval, all of those things, the approval of God. The, but then the, the biggest thing that it's saying is this, is that like the love of God has been poured out. It was like he's taken buckets and buckets. He's opened up your chest. I know that's a terrible uh, word picture, but he takes buckets and buckets of his love and he's just pouring it in to you and to me to allow us to experience God's love. Like God's love has been given to you. You've been sealed with the love of God. He has taken his signet ring and he's branded your heart with it 
and he has poured out his love into your heart through the Holy Spirit. Through nothing that you have done. Because the Holy Spirit began a good work in you and he's gonna carry that on to completion. So you, you don't get credit for having believed. You don't get credit for having heard because all of those are functions of the Holy Spirit. But then when you do believe, you are sealed with the Spirit. You are sealed with the Spirit. And that is the love of God that is being expressed to you through his amazing grace and his mercy and his adoption of you and, and, and the death of Christ for you. This is how much he loves you. What does that have to do with being resigned to this world? Much of our lives is constantly about trying to receive love. Am I loved here? Am I loved here? Am I loved the way that I wanna be in my marriage? Am I loved the way that I wanna be in my friends or in my family or at my work? Do they love me for the work that I do? For studies that say people would appreciate encouragement more than they would appreciate a raise. Now, I think I would like to have both, but <laughs> I don't know about you especially with the way that gas prices are right now. <laughs> Show me the love through a pay increase. But uh, we are looking for love. We, we long for it. We long for acceptance. We long for approval. And the deposit that God has given to us, the guarantee that God has given to us is that he will, he will not disown his own, his own spirit. He's not gonna disown his spirit. And so he has taken his, his spirit and it is as though it is a part of you. He's placed it into your heart, into your life. And he's, and he's stamped it on you. He stamped it in such a way that it, it essentially says this, like there's nothing taking that away. There's nothing that can dissuade that. God, God's love has been poured into your heart through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And that, my friends, is a guarantee of our inheritance. It is a guarantee that God loves you. It is a guarantee that you can't lose it. It is a, a guarantee. And so some of you have walked around and, and you've said, I'm not sure whether I'm, whether I'm saved. Remember what we've said in the past, how do I know if I'm chosen? You can't worry about whether you're chosen unless you're chosen. You can't worry about whether you're saved unless you're saved because if you're not saved, then you wouldn't worry about that because you don't wanna be saved. It's, it's full on rejection of God. What's this talking about? It's saying God's love has been given to you in such a way that it can never be taken away. We go on, what else do we get through the sealing of the Holy Spirit? You get a new understanding. Not only is the, op the operation of the Holy Spirit in this is, is intended to give us, 
something that is ours by God. But he also gives us new abilities. And the new abilities go like this. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 14. Now we have not received, now we, I'm sorry, now we have received not the spirit of the world. We've not, you, when you were sealed with the spirit, you did not receive the spirit that comes from the world. You received a different spirit. You, des, you, 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 uh, you received something that, that's completely other than. You haven't received the spirit of resignation. You haven't received the spirit of uh, no moral absolutes or sexual absolutes or personal absolutes or whatever, spiritual absolutes. You haven't received that spirit. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? That we might understand. That we might understand. Now that, that, that phrase right there is pretty important because of this. It's, it's, you're no longer just in, with, a, with an unspiritual mind, just trying to figure out life, trying to you know, search around, trying to blindly trying to figure out where to go and what to do. No, you've been given the spirit who is from God that you might understand the things freely given us by God. You've been given this spirit, not of the world, but the one that's from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to, the, to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now stop there for a second and just hear me out. It is so easy to go along with the culture. It's so easy to go along with our world. It is so incredibly easy to just decide I'm just going to go along with the sexual ethic of our day. I'm just gonna go along with everything that's happening. I'm gonna go with the flow. I'm just gonna resign myself to just doing whatever works. It is so easy to do that. What this is saying is that the Spirit of God has been given to you. Why? To see the world as God sees it. You've been given the understanding so that you could see the world the way that God sees it. It doesn't mean that you know exactly everything, every moment, and every instance. It means this. It means that you have the possibility to put yourself in a position where you're, where you're hearing the word of God, speaking with other people that love the word of God, the, the people that have the spirit of God in them. You're being taught spiritual truths uh, by those who are spiritual. And you have the possibility of understanding. You have assurance of salvation. 1 John 3, 24 says, And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. 1 John 4, 13, And by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. 
So it's not just understanding, but now we have this assurance that I don't have to walk around and just go, oh crud, did I take myself out of the love of God? No, he gave me his spirit. I have his understanding. I have his life in my life. I don't have to, I can walk in faith. I can walk in faith that says, I have God and he has me. I'm abiding in him and he's abiding in me. It's, it's faith that God is in you and he's working and he's acting and he's moving and he's giving you understanding and he's giving you hope that's not found in your circumstances. He's giving you hope that's not found in gas prices. He's giving you hope that's not found in anything other than him. Now, how do we get that assurance? Well, first of all, I, I do believe that we just simply have to have faith that, we, that that is what has taken place. That he saved me by his own sovereignty, his own will, the own, his own counsel of his will. It is simply by hope in Jesus Christ. When you doubt, put your hope in Christ. My, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That is, that is where my hope lies. It's not in my present circumstances. It's not in the things that I struggle with. My hope's not in, uh, in whether I'm doing good or whether I'm doing bad or whether I've been to church a lot, whether I've been to church a little bit, whether I have lots of Christian friends, or whether I don't have lots of Christian friends or anything like that, whether I help people, whether I don't help people, all those things. It's not in those, it's in Christ alone. But 2 Peter 1, 3 through 10 says that his power, the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit has granted, uh, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Like he's empowered us to be able to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to grow in grace, to be able to grow in virtue, meaning in righteousness. He's empowered you, he's empowered me. I mean, it doesn't mean that like, okay, I'm sealed in the spirit, I don't have to worry about it anymore. That's called antinomianism. Like I just do whatever I wanna do. I just act however I want and I just do uh, whatever, whatever I decide to do is, is what I decide to do, it's no big deal. No, there's an expectation of, now that you have the Holy Spirit, now walk in this. And so he lists uh, several virtues in verse five, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith, your, supplement your faith in Christ Jesus. That is the thing, that's the only thing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's, that is what it is, supplement that with growth, with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness. Peter says, for if these qualities are yours, in verse eight, and are increasing, they'll keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. It's saying this, it's saying, like if, if you're not growing in these graces, if that's not continually happening, like if you're just complacent and you're resigned and you're just like, I am who I am, that's what I'm gonna do. Uh, Peter says, 
you're so nearsighted that you're blind that you've forgotten the gospel. You forgot the truth. You forgot the truth that's been sealed, that's been pounded into you, the love of God that's been poured on you. You have it. Do you know what this means? It means if you're not growing, if you're resigned to the way that your life has been lived and stuff, it means this. Now, you may need a 12-step program, but the 12-step program isn't the heart of what you need. It's a one-step program. In him, you also, having believed by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is, it's one truth. You forgot that. The grace of God being lavished on you, him giving that to you through no, uh, no possibility of you deserving it at, at all. Like you have forgotten what Christ has done for you. All, all that you've done is you're remembering what you, you've done for you. And you sing that Janet Jackson song to God, what have you done for me lately? Ooh, 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 yeah. You start blaming God and saying, you know what, what have you done for me lately? Things aren't going well for me. You haven't really done anything for me. Why, why should I follow you? You've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your former sins. Like things are going well for me, but I didn't get that from church. I didn't get that from God. I got that from a leadership book. I got that from, from just a commitment to righteousness. I got that from whatever. And so I can just, I can go along with life and I can say, and even though I'm not saying that with my lips, my life is saying, God, you really haven't done anything for me. And so the, the virtue in your life is all self-propagated. It's all self powered. One of the greatest things that could happen to you is that you experience failure. Peter says, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. How do we do that? Remember, we've been talking about resignation. I've resigned myself to any type of growth, to anything that's just the way that the culture is going. I'm resigned, I'm resigned, I'm resigned. On the opposite page of your Bible, what you might see is Galatians 5, which says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He's given you the Spirit as, as a down payment, as a guarantee of what? Of, of something that is going to grow in you that causes you to be for the praise of his glory. It's worshiping how glorious he is. And it's in that worship of him by the power of the Holy Spirit that what happens is this, is that I'm able to glorify him and it's in that that I receive glory. It's in that, that I receive encouragement. It's in that. And Paul says in Galatians, like you have to walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. 
He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I mean, you can look at that and you can just say, am I seeing the Spirit of God working in my life because I typically would respond in anger in this area. I typically would respond with impatience or frustration. I would be unfaithful. I'd be ungentle. I, I don't have control over my life. I typically would be that way, but I'm beginning to see the steps of this. What is the way toward no longer being resigned to whatever's happening in this world. What's the answer? It's being resigned. It's resigning your will. It's resigning and saying, not my will, but thy will be done. It's resigning to the spirit of God. What does that mean? So I say, walk by the Spirit. What's walking? Anybody know how to walk in here? It's just one foot in front of the other. Holy Spirit, what do you have for me today? Where am I going? What am I doing? Is that thought right? Is that out of place? I say, walk by the Spirit. It's walking in a sensitivity that says this, God, I know that you love me. I know that you're passionate about me. I know that you've shown me through your gospel, your incredible grace and mercy. I've believed in that and my hope is in that alone. Now, how should I live? It's resigning yourself to the Spirit. It's resigning your will, your desires. It's resigning the world's desires for you. It's resigning to that. The, the old cheesy Christian phrase, just while the ushers come forward, the old cheesy Christian phrase that says, let go and let God. What does that even mean? I don't know other than to say, it's just resigning ourselves. And it's just saying, I, I don't really know what's best, but he does. He's given me understanding. It's listening to the word of God and allowing the word of God to penetrate your heart. And I invite you forward to go to the Lord's table and then we'll partake together here in a moment.